Views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Reparations, conversation, reparations, conversation, reparations. This is your host, Brother Jamoke Fatayo, bringing you another edition of Conversation Reparations, which is sponsored by INCOBRA, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. We come to you on the first and third Monday of each month, bringing you information, news, and historical analysis. Uh, what's been going on in the reparations movement and what is what has been going on and what is going on in the reparations movement. Today we're going to focus on education and reparations. We find that when we talk about reparations, people are quick to talk about education, college scholarships, and things like that. And we know that's one thing that not a lot of, um, should I say, debate or, or around the issue of education being one important arm in the reparation movement. But I thought we would look at that and go in a little bit deeper on that. I, I just recently reread a chapter of a, from a book, Dr. Ray Wimbush's book, Should America Pay Slavery in a Raging Debate on Reparations? And it was, uh, I remember that the article that was written on education uh, by Sister, Sister Yah Asantua and Zinga went, I think, further than most people have gone in terms of actually putting dollar amounts on what is needed around the issue of education. And so I, I went back and reread the article and just was really impressed with the overall article. So we invited her to be our guest on the show for today. As you know, we've been beginning our shows in this new season, and we call it a season, with news, 
in um, reparations news. So, I believe we've mentioned this before, but again, these these we're keeping you updated on how the progress of these things have been going. So, Bruce's speech to be returned to the black family 100 years after the city used a law to steal it. California governor apologizes for city seizure of the first West Coast resort for black people, which almost certainly would have made heirs millionaires. A beachfront, a beachfront property seized from a black family in Southern California nearly a century ago will be returned to the family's descendants in a move held as a milestone in the fight for reparations and the return of land stolen from people of color. A beach town seized a black couple's land in the 1920s. Now their family could get it back. In 1912, Willa and Charles Bruce bought the land in Manhattan Beach, a Los Angeles seaside suburb, turning it into a thriving resort run for and by black residents despite harassment and violence from white neighbors. But in the 1920s, the Manhattan Beach City Council used eminent domain to take the land from the Bruce's purportedly to use as a park. Yet the land lay unused for years until it was transferred to the state in 1948. This week, the descendants of Will and Charles Bruce, including the couple's great-grandson, watched California Governor Gavin Newsom sign a law that allows ownership of the property known as Bruce's Beach to be transferred back to the family. With half a dozen descendants of the couple present, Newsom apologized how the land had been taken before signing the bill during a ceremony at the property on Thursday. There are other families waiting for this very day to have their land returned to them. Patricia Bruce, a cousin of Willa and Charles Bruce, told the Associated Press. The legislation unanimously approved by state lawmakers was necessary to allow the start of the complex legal process of transferring ownership of Bruce's Beach. L.A. County officials moved earlier this year to return the valuable property to the descendants, granting them the wealth they have been denied for generations. So, you know, a couple conversations around this. I saw one news report where they said that the family had been asking for an apology, and I don't know if they accepted the governor's apology. I think they were looking for an, an apology from the city specifically. And, and also people argue that the amount of money that could have been made if they had had that land in their possession, although it's worth quite a bit at this point, the land itself. But, you know, so, and even in the headline, it talked about creating heirs and millionaires. So there's still a conversation to be had around what could be uh, granted to them in addition to getting their land back um, in terms of reparations that are owed to this family. The next article, next news story we want to bring to you, uh, again, one that we talked about on the last show, was how the uh, UN had set up a special day to discuss reparations and and during the General Assembly of the United Nations. Reparations draw UN scrutiny, but those who pay say little. More than a year after the Black Lives Matter protests launched a worldwide reckoning about the centuries of racism that black people continue to face, reparations emerged unevenly as a high-profile issue at this year's largest gathering of world leaders. At the UN General Assembly, African and Caribbean countries that stand to benefit from reparations were backed by other nations, so those most responsible for slavery and colonialism said little about what they might owe to African descendants. 
were not surprised. Oh, I thought I had taken these pictures out. <laughs> All righty. Leaders from Africa, South Africa, Cameroon, the Caribbean, St. Kitts, Nevis, St. Lucia were joined by representatives of countries that are unlikely to be tapped to pay up Cuba and Malaysia among them and explicitly endorsed the creation of reparation systems. Those missing from the renewed global conversation on the topic, though, were noteworthy as well. The United States, Britain, and Germany, wealthy and developed nations built from conquests of varying kinds. Caribbean countries like ours, this is a quote, Caribbean countries like ours, which were exploited and undeveloped to finance the development of Europe, have put forward a case for reparations for slavery and native genocide, and we expect that case to be treated with the seriousness and urgency it deserves, said Philip Pierre, Prime Minister of St. Lucia. There should be no double standards in the international system in recognizing, acknowledging, and compensating victims of crimes against humanity. I believe I read, yeah, let me come to this down here. U.S. President Joe Biden, for example, made no mention of it in his address, though the White House earlier this year said it supported studying reparations for black Americans. And the office of his U.N. ambassador, Linda Thomas-Greensville, who is an African-American woman, would, wouldn't comment on the recent reparations discussions. So, once again, black vote taken for granted. We put Biden in, we put Warnock and Ossoff in, as, as, and, and other key races around the country. And so, yet we are still getting this. All right. So, do we have our guest on the line? Uh, yes, I believe we do. Let's go ahead and check area codes um, 718. Your own conversations, reparations with Brother Jamoke. Who do we have on the line? Can you hear me? Yes, we do, Queen. How are you doing? Okay, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm magnificent. Yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, so um, we'd like to just thank you for joining us on this conversation around education and reparations. Um, oh, it's my really honor. Thank your... you. Yes, yes. I, I didn't really want to read your bio. I just thought you might tell us a little bit about yourself and, and sure. specifically, you know, as an educator, because you're not coming to this theoretically. You actually have had some real life experiences around you know, being an educator and teaching our children about their identity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I am um, an educator. I'm also um, an actress. I'm in the, the theater world. I'm a lecturer, uh, and I am a revolutionary. I do uh, revolutionary work by any means necessary. I... I, I love education. Let me put it that way. It, it's one of the things that uh, is missing in the field today. We have so many educators in our school system that not only do they not like education, they don't like black youth. So you can hear them constantly complaining about the youth and teaching them. And as an educator, there was not a day that I did not love to go into the classroom and teach. So uh, I've, I've lectured all over the world. Um, 
every several countries in Africa and in Italy and Canada. Um, but you know, all over the world is one thing. My concern is about the proper education of black youth in America. Not that I don't care about the proper education of black youth in, in Africa or Italy or London or any of those other places, but my job right now is to um, address what's happening to black youth in America. I, I'm not sure how much of the chapter you read, but you may know that I was fired uh, almost 20 years ago from the Board of Education in Brooklyn, New York, for teaching black youth that they were Africans and what that meant. I was the theater teacher at that time, and I taught my youth that if they didn't want the images to go out there about who we are, then they have to be responsible for saying no to those roles no matter what. And that's one of the things that, um, that I was fired for because all of a sudden we had black youth saying, I won't play negative roles. I'm, um, I'm not going to go into the whole story unless you ask me something else about it later. But um, we had a, a, a white Jewish male who was very upset when uh, he took over the theater class for me. And one of my students clearly said when he asked him to do a skit where he was going to be a thief and go to the corner store and steal chips and, and soda and candy and bring it back to the girls. And then the girls are supposed to act out loving the boy, accepting this because he brought back all of these good things for them that he had stolen. Well, not only did the young man say he wouldn't do it because he said, my teacher, Mrs. Zinga, taught us, and that was America's standards for black boys. I'm not going to do that. And the young woman said that she did, that as a, as a young girl, they were 11 and 12 years old, she didn't want the stolen goods because that's not who we were as black women. That ended up being, um, I ended up being, getting fired for that. Now, often people will say, well, they fired you for that, uh-huh, because it is very wow. important for our kids to identify with um, uh, 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 being the thugs. And unfortunately, too many of our uh, so-called celebrities, they, they encourage that by the roles that they take and by the roles that they accept. I know when you look back on um, celebrities back in the day, like, Ruby D and Arthur Davis and Esther, they didn't take negative roles, but they weren't nearly as wealthy as some of the celebrities are today. You look at people like James Baldwin, who spoke out. So our children, first of all, have to understand who they are. So when I was teaching them that they can't, not to take negative roles, not to be what America wants and has taught them to be, that was so serious that they said, we have to get rid of this teacher. They not only fired me, but they fired the um, union rep. But, you know, I, there's um, a, a doctor, um, you know, Dr. Frances Crest Wellesley. She puts it very clear when she, she says in the quote, she said, like, you know, we wonder why we're not making progress. Well, I can't call myself a bitch, a hoe, a gangster, a thug every day, and then get up and do something constructive. That's impossible. First job as an educator is to open the mind of black youth, take all the trash that's been put in the mind from the media, 
from film, television, and music. You've got to clean that mind out before we can start nation building inside of the mind. So that's, you know, all of that, of course, isn't in my resume or in my bio, but, you know, that's what I, I, it's about. I'm known for taking black youth and making powerhouses out of them and having to also make powerhouses out of their parents because so many of our parents are lost. Yeah, that's, you know, when I read that story, it was so interesting because, like, you know, you were fired not even for anything that you had done. I mean, you know, it was like it was what the students said in response based on your teachings, I mean, so indirectly, but not even, even directly anything that you had said or done. And so, but other than open their minds up, right, you know, so. Well, that's, see, that's yeah. the danger. Um, you, I don't know if you had the opportunity to read the Osiris Papers, I have a, um, a chapter in that, in the Osiris Papers, is, um, the reflections on the life and writings of Francis Crest Wealthy. In that particular mm-hmm. book, I write about challenging the white supremacist educational system. That's what we have to do as educators, but how do we do it when we have so many cowards in the classroom? Afraid to teach truth. I mean, literally afraid to teach truth. Uh, that's where we are um, when people ask me about that. I'm, I'm working right now on a project with um, Dr. Ray Winbush. Um, I'm part of the Reparations Research Group, and we are charging Washington, D.C. with responsibility for injuries that were caused in education going all the way back to enslavement. Because, you know, D.C., is a, is, a, is a big slave state. And the fact that it's called the District of Columbia, it's literally named after George Washington, one of the biggest slave owners that we've ever had. So I've been spending the last six months um, on Washington, D.C., on finding all sorts of injuries that I am now holding them responsible for. And, you know, that's that's part of, like, I know we're talking about the reparations movement, but we can't just sit and talk about it. Even as individuals, we're intelligent people. We need to get out there and say, this is wrong, and then go do the research as to who to hold responsible and bring those charges against them. Yes, yes. And um, the uh, we're thankful for Dr. Ray Winbush's um, work in that area. He um, mm-hmm. using the five injury areas put forward by Encopa to look at That's the different exactly areas that we were yeah. injured. Mm-hmm. And you and you working with the area of education. That's, 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 and that's I'm working great. with the area of education. Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. so like you know Dr. Winbush could have called on anyone. I was so honored. Mm-hmm. Um, but he called on me because I, I have no problem with telling truth. I don't walk around it. I don't worry about being fired, done that, been there, done that. Um, but the only way that we are going to be able to get through is um, to tell, to be able to go into that classroom and teach truth. And most teachers are afraid, and then we have to ask ourselves, why, why are teachers afraid? Why do you feel teachers are afraid to teach truth? 
One is they get no support. We have a few teachers that, you know, um, they get no support. They don't mind, but if the community does not support them, I know I didn't get I, I didn't get support from the community. Very few people. Dr. Ray Winbush came up from um, Fisk University. I had a couple of people within the city, but on the whole, there are people 20 years later that call themselves conscious and revolutionaries. They come up to me and say, Sam, what happened with that case against the Board of Ed? And I just look at them mm-hmm. and say, brother or sister, if you have to ask me, then you were not a supporter, and I'm not going to answer that question 20 years later for you. Well, yeah. Yeah. I wonder, was that the same situation with Dr. Leonard Jeffries went through, what he went through around his, his tenure and the whole Jewish thing, um, at, um, not Jewish thing, whole African Center of Peace and yeah. Yeah. curriculum yeah. development? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, was, it was very similar. You know, you make a statement mm-hmm. against the Jew and you pay the price because Jews run the country. And um, it was mm-hmm. a similar situation, but he did regain his job back. He did and regain his job back, taken, right. Yeah, and I am not allowed to teach in the this, this state of New York. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, I wanted to, to look at some of the um, specific um, proposals that you made in the book. Is that okay? Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> all right, all right. So um, one that, that particularly resonates with me is uh, establishment of language centers designed to teach African people an African language. One center should be established mm-hmm. in any African community that exceeds 10% of the total population, and instruction should be available for all persons regardless of age. Total cost for a 25-year period, $2 billion. So would now, you like to have some commentary on that? that? Yes, I certainly would. I calculated that 20 years ago. You would now have to put $2 billion into the formula. And, and, and there's a formula that I actually use for this reparations project that I'm working on now. And mm-hmm. can you imagine how much, how many billions of dollars it is now? Okay, you know, our youth go to school and they're, they're told they have to take Spanish or French. Mm-hmm. It's some of the... But no one has to do an African language. We can't, I, first of all, our first and foremost, our youth have to be taught that they're Africans. First and foremost, literally, we, I, I wish that we could get every single youth into a private independent school, but there are 7 million plus children in the public school system. We don't have 7 million institutions. Uh, uh, we don't have enough institutions to house 7 million people. And I've had this discussion with people who say, well, in Zinga, we still need our own school. Yeah, but while we're getting those schools, while we're getting those schools, what do we do with those children who are in the public school system? We have to go into that public school system and make demands. I mean, when I taught in the public school system, all the Jews got their holidays. You had to teach their history. We have to be able to say, we're going into the public school system. Even some teachers will say, well, you know, certain things that it's not in the curriculum. The language isn't in the curriculum. This isn't in the curriculum. Forget that. Everything is in the curriculum. Because if you're in a public school system, you, if, if, 
if the children enter a school called Washington High School, named after George Washington, that's a lesson right there. You have to not be afraid to say, this school is named after George Washington. Okay, I'm going to teach you who George Washington really was. Teach about what happened with Oney Judge. Teach about all the enslaved Africans he had. Teach about how when he was in Philadelphia, how he moved back south because after you were in Philadelphia for six months, your, your enslaved Africans would be free. So he moved them back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Teach that. It's part of the curriculum. They said teach American history. So that's what we have to do. Um, language centers, though, as a people, nothing's stopping us from opening up language centers. I live in Brooklyn, New York. We have, you know, when I taught at an at a independent school, we had someone come in and teach Kiswahili. You can have mm-hmm. someone come in and teach Wallah. But we need to be, it's part, it should be part of the reparations package. And we have to have the money to set these institutions, these community places up all over the United States of America. Pay people to do it. Bring in, if we have to fly people in from the continent to teach it. They fly us into other countries to teach someone English. Mm. So that, that's what that's about, is they have to understand that they have a language, that the language that we are speaking today is a foreign language, but that they have a language. And oftentimes people will say, but we don't even know what part of Africa we're from. Who cares? I mean, it is mm-hmm. nice if you have the money to go get this. Who cares? Claim the whole continent. Because guess who will claim it? Europeans will claim that continent. So we need to stop fussing about, well, what part did I come from? If you, you know, if you were able to get your DNA done and you know that, but otherwise claim the whole continent of Africa and all the power that comes with it. So, yes, that's what that was about. I hope I, if there's anything else you want me to elaborate on about that, that um, establishment of language centers, uh, that's what it is. And there's nothing, there's nothing stopping us from establishing one. Even if we, don't, if we don't get the reparations money right away, what is stopping you from going into your church and saying, can we do this here? A community center. Those of us that don't belong to churches. A community center. Hey, if you have to, have them meet you in the park. Before COVID, I used to have um, pajama parties where I would have a group of youth come over and we would eat, have fun, and talk history, talk nation building. We have to, as a people, we have to stop saying we can't do this. We can't. Yes, we can. We may not be able to do it on the level that we could do it on if we get these reparations bills passed, but there is no reason why a, a person couldn't have five people, five youth come to their house once a month or once a week and have someone come in and say, I want this person to teach me law. I was in an African store today run by a, a um, Nigerian who shooed, and we were talking about the language. And he was saying that one of his sewers is from Senegal, and he was like, say something to him. Say something to him in Wallah. Well, I don't speak a lot of Wallah, but I can say a few things. And all, now, that could have turned into a lesson. 
Because right then, I could have began to say, these are the words I know. The brother that, that works for him from synagogue, he would have said, sister, this is how you say this. And there we go. A lesson mm. right there. We have to do that. You know, we have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, notice is our commercial break. I was taking the time, Brother Scotty, our engineers reminding me. We had to have one okay. point. So Definitely. All right. program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All right. You've been listening to Conversation Reparations. We're having a discussion, conversation with Yah Santua Nzinga, who wrote in plus education equals the path to freedom. And we were talking about language, and I, I don't want to quite leave language yet, because I think there's a real importance to why language is important. And maybe we can just delve into that a little bit more, mm-hmm. why, why language is important to learn an African language. Why? Yeah, it, not only is it important to learn an African language, it's important to learn Africa, period. Once you can learn an mm-hmm. African language, you, you, it becomes clear to you that you're, 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 you're not an American. You're an African, even if you don't know which particular group you came from. So the, that's, that's one of the important things of, of learning an African language. But you need to learn Africa. When I taught at um, Sankofa International Academy, when I came in as an educator, I mean, I was so... Like, I raised the bar so high that one of the teachers quit. She said my expectations were too high. But those children came in every morning, and the first thing they did was they stood at attention. And the youngest was five years old. The oldest was around 12. Uh, The school went from first grade to eighth grade. Every morning, they had to recite all of the country that the, uh, um, in, on the continent of Africa, every single one of them. And they could do it. The five-year-olds could do it. It was important for them to know not just Africa, but come on. I mean, it, it, that's, a, that's, a, that's a huge continent. They had to know every country on that continent. See, knowing that, <laughs> even for me, it even can take a stand above the language because now you know. You ask the five-year-old, give me the countries in Africa, and they rattle all of them off. Then they have mm-hmm. to go to the map. This is every morning. They have to go to the map and point those countries out. Then on Mondays, they all did these um, reports. They had to either report about, let's say they went to Senegal. They have to report about the Senegalese language. Um, a basic wall off, even though are, there are different languages there. Then we, they had to talk about, well, then why do the Senegalese speak French? They may, mm-hmm. one of them may have to talk about um, the Gambia. 
which is carved out of Senegal. Well, why do they speak English in the Gambia and French? And then they, you know, if they went to to Ghana, you know, Twi, why are they speaking speaking English in, in, instead of Twi? So when you teach them Africa, you automatically teach them the importance of languages. Because when you take the languages by themselves, that's great. But when they find out, wow, this language comes from here. And then they had to talk about what the food was. What is the food that they eat there? Where is the location? What part, which one of these, these countries sits on the ocean? Which one of them are inland? See, when you teach Africa correctly, then they had to talk about the dress, the attire, the religion, the this. You, you teach Africa, that's when then you get them to understand where they fit into all of that. And you teach them resistance. You know, what did Africans do? They didn't just get on the boat and say, happy, 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 we're on our way. So, yeah, you do have to teach them the language. The language is important, but along with the clothing, how they dress and why they dress that way, along with the food, along with, with the, 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 the territory, the turf, all of that is very important. And that's what my students at Sankofa Academy, and I was starting to teach at the other school, that's what they had to know. They had to pledge to the ancestors every morning. You did not sit down and start class without giving honor to the ancestors. And lastly, they had to salute the red, black, and green flag every morning. So that's what we had. That's what started to build these African minds. That's what started to let them know that they were not these negative characters that were being portrayed in the movies, that were being portrayed, being betrayed in, um, you know, in, in, in books. That was one of the things that I, I was, I'm bringing charges against with some of the textbooks that misrepresented some of the things that happened in D.C., like the snow riots, how they, how they, how they showed the snow riots. Um, those are all the things. But in order for us to, to educate and teach truth, then we have to know it. We can't sit back and not mm-hmm. know our own history. And we have to protest. We can't sit back and, 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 and be bought to the music that's calling people a, a, a nigga, a hoe, and they're playing it loud, and, and the people on the street are bouncing to it, their kids are bouncing to it. Like, it's, it's Francis Christ, well, that's insane. We must take, there's some of those things we can take responsibility for, mm-hmm. and, and, we're, and we're not. So again, the language is extremely important, but teach the language through teaching the continent. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to give a few more of your, your proposals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, development of ancestral study centers to reconnect African people with the spiritual power of those who have ah. come before them. Connected to the schools, such each center could focus on helping African families link with their ancestral roots the recent database established that Ellis Island can serve as a model for ASC, total uh, African ancestral study centers. 
total establishment cost one billion dollars. And we know we said that this, yeah. this would have to these numbers have to be updated. <laughs> the, the numbers would have to be okay. I, there's a book called Spirituality Versus Religion, and interesting enough, you know, I, we we were having the conversation again today in Brother Mashu's store, um, where we don't understand the, clothing designer the difference Mushu? between. Yeah, Mushu. Yeah, yeah. I, I okay. hang out in his in his store. That's my brother. Of course, right. when you go to Mushu, okay. you know you're always going to walk away with a T-shirt or something. But um, yeah. So mm-hmm. we were talking today because we were we were having this discussion about um, the vaccine, uh, the do's or the don'ts, and um, we were talking about spirituality versus religion. How how some people are saying they. That, that even if they uh, say you can give, uh, not have to take the vaccine for religious reasons, that many Africans, like myself, were more were spiritual, not religious. So we have to also teach what spirituality is, that, you know, connecting to the earth, connecting to the outside. Because when people ask me about God, you know, when I taught my youth and uh, they didn't always want to, um, you know, parents weren't always happy about it. But see, you, 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 your belief has to be with, about your surroundings. And we come from a culture that um, we live among bricks and stones and, and high rises. If you think about spirituality in Africa, Africa started off huts, round huts. America mm-hmm. starts off is it, it, long, tall buildings. Africa is very feminine. So when you look at how they had their huts, they had, if you think of just a woman's body, they had a round hut with a hole as an entry that you went into. If you look at America, their whole spirituality is based on craziness, so they have these long buildings. And what does that tall, long building represent to them versus the spirituality of the hut that we come from? We are not used to walking on concrete. It's even hard to walk on concrete today when you go into Africa, unless you go into maybe South Africa and the real modern part, but you still are dealing with the earth. So, that's what spirituality is. They have to take away all of the um, the, the uh, characteristics that come with Christianity, at least Christianity the way it's been taught to us. Get rid of this white God. You cannot worship a God that does not look like you. So it, the damage is so deep that we have to literally have institutions that will work on and undo. Like when I, when I started off, I said we have to open up the hands of our youth, take out all of the, 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 the nonsense that has been put in and reinstate spirituality, value systems, as I say in, in, in those, um, socialization of African people. Uh, we, we, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a book called The Spirit of Intimacy. And The Spirit of Intimacy talks about 
spirituality. Um, in Africa, you know, people don't live alone. They just don't. I mean, the fact that you're living in a little house by yourself and waking up and going to sleep at night, that's not the way. We have to understand that because the first thing we want to do when we get successful is go get our apartment. Get our own little space. Spirit, we, we have to teach them this, this, the spiritual world of being um, an African and putting the importance on extended families and community. That's all part of the spirituality. And if you if you haven't um read the spirit of intimacy, get it. Because it's not just about relationships. It's about yeah. you know go on, I'm sorry, because yeah, I can, I can talk about this forever. Yes, I can hear you. Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, I'm you. sorry. I had I guess muted myself accidentally. Yeah, I I'm 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 very familiar with Spirit of Intimacy. It's a great book on by the Bon Sousome. And, uh, yes, and that's absolutely. what you wrote to other books and, as well. But, yeah, it, yeah I think all it's my a, students, a foundation that people should be familiar yeah. with. I agree with you. It's a great yeah. book uh, in should. terms of how understanding African culture and tradition. Absolutely. Now, my students, now, and I'm talking about the very young ones, we would, they had to purchase that book. They had to read it. Um, at the end, of people who didn't, uh, if it was a different class, I gave them a copy of it, and we discussed spirituality through that book, what it means, going to the elders. A, a, a day, you know, again, I, I obviously went to Mushu's today because I knew we were going to have this conversation, but I was there with a brother, and a sister came in, and she needed advice and wisdom from Mushu's, and there just happened to be that there were three elders in there. So when I came back home today and I was talking to this brother, we were talking, he said that was the first time that had ever happened to him, that he saw a young person, in, especially in this country, come to seek advice from the elders. We have to teach our youth to not, our youth disrespect elders. And they've been taught to disrespect the elders. Again, the media teaches them to disrespect the elders. You know, elders are old. Elders smell. Elders do this. I don't want to be around old people. That doesn't happen in Africa. I mean, I haven't been all over Africa, but the countries I have been to, mm -mm. you see no disrespect of elders. And if an elder tells you no, you don't have to agree with it, but you better shut your mouth and go about your business. So that, you know, all of that is part of spirituality is how you handle your yourself, um, your value system, your socialization process. And that's Alrighty. what I felt we also needed to bring in schools um, to do, Saturday schools, any kind yeah. of school. Because several people have talked about reparations and education, and they talk about, you know, college scholarships, and they talk about, you know, even some who may be more um, – African Center will talk about, you know, teachers learning African history and all that. And you have, you have um, you know, that in your proposals as well, but I'm, I'm kind of focusing on some of the things that people don't usually bring out when they put forward proposals around education. And so I'm going to read yeah. these two together, mm -hmm. and then we can, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and we can shift it. So fun to mm -hmm. institute trips to, for African people to visit Africa twice during their lifetimes costs. Mm -hmm. $100 million uh, over 25 mm -hmm. years, 
a trust fund mm-hmm. available for African people who wish to permanently return to Africa. Cost for 25 years, $15 billion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, and, and I know we're always saying, well, the Jews do it, well, but the Jews do. Um, the Jews have a system where their kids go back home. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Jews have claimed Israel. They get the money and they do it. We we have a system that oftentimes teaches our youth the negativity of Africa, not the positivity right. of Africa. And, 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 and when they go back home to the continent, the ones that I've seen, oftentimes they're not prepared for the continent because we have such European thinking that when we get to Africa, the enslaved mind conflicts with the colonized mind. So you have the Africans mm-hmm. that have been taught to teach the Africans born in America and the Africans born in America, because I refuse to call myself an African-American, even though in that, in that book, whoever was um, editing it would change Africa to African-Americans in, in my chapter, which I did not do. Okay, so mm-hmm. when we get there, oftentimes we haven't prepared our youth. So they sit down, they get to a place like Senegal, they're invited to dinner, and they're like, ooh, we're going to all eat out the same bowl? Ooh. Um, Listen, we have to prepare our youth for the continent. We have to also teach them when we take them to the continent that remember that many of these, these people have been colonized. Unless you're going to Eritrea, these people have been colonized. They have, um, uh, uh, oftentimes they think that the best thing that happened to them was that they were colonized for the French and they were able to go over to France and get an education. You, have, you can't just take our children to Africa. You can't just take adults to Africa. I have a friend that's going, I'm going to Africa towards the end of November. I have to prepare, prepare people for Africa when I take them. There's the good, there's the bad, there's the ugly like anybody else. But our youth need to be first given classes, told about Africa, even have somebody come in that's here in the States and teach them about their country and what the expectations are, but they need to go. And they need to be taught respect and discipline. You can't walk into Africa and do what you want to do here in America. It doesn't work that way. So, yeah. They definitely, they definitely should, we should be able to have reparations funds to go back to Africa and stay if we want. All right, all right. So, yeah, I, um, I, I highlighted a quote, I highlighted a, 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 a statement that you made, and, uh, It says, Mm -hmm. if African people in America understand who they are, where they come from, Mm -hmm. and what was taken from them, they would have no choice but to revolt. I love it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Absolutely. And that's at the beginning of my chapter. Because, you see, one of the Mm -hmm. things that I have no problem with is when somebody says, oh, you're an angry black woman, you better believe it. And I want you to know that I'm angry. Because I don't have no, for me not to be would be silly. You don't tell anyone else that they're angry. Now, what I do with that anger is what's important. But no one can ever 
embarrassed me by saying, oh, Yasandra Andina, you know she's angry, or we don't want to hear from her because you know she's going to get up and say something. I, you're absolutely right. I am going to get up and say something that you may not like, but it will be truth. So, yes, I think, see, here's what's happening now. Um, after, after Brother Floyd's case, see, uh, we, we've got some angry black people now. You notice all of a sudden we've got angry entertainers. They go up to accept their little Academy Awards or whatever. They're angry. They got something to say. See, we have angry black people now. Donald Trump. I, I told people I, didn't, I don't care whether Donald Trump was elected president again or not. Because I will say this. I saw more black people understanding who they were, where they came from, and what this country has done to us under Donald Trump than any, any other person I've ever seen. Because mm-hmm. he represented America. And they understood that. And only a fool would think that Biden was going to be better. I mean, how could you think that? Oppressors, you know, Dr. John Henry Clark says, an oppressor does not teach a person he oppresses how to take power away. Biden and Kamala, they're all part of the oppressors. They're not, Biden's not going to teach black people how to take white people's power away. It doesn't make sense. I tell right. parents when they send their kids to school, do you really believe that these white institutions are going to teach your black child how to take their white child's power away? Would you do that? If you had that power, would you teach their, their white child how to take your black child's power away? So in, in, in the Osiris papers, I write that. I don't have any praise. If somebody says, oh, my child's going to, to um, Yale, my child's going to Bernard, my child's going to, to um, Princeton, that doesn't impress me. Because why would anybody, if you know the history of those universities, they were built on slave labor. George Washington University in D.C. was. Now, if you know the history of those universities, what would make you think that that university is going to teach your brilliant black child how to take the world away? They're going to create a Barack Obama and Michelle. And neither one of those people had the interests of our people in mind. So they're all, all Yale and Princeton is going to give you is, is Barack and, Mich- and Michelle. We came out of, out of those eight years in no better shape than we went in, than when they went in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I, yeah. when people ask me, I said, no, I, didn't vote, I, didn't, I did not go in and vote for Biden. I went in and did a write-in. But I knew very clearly that Biden is not going to be, you know, I mean, you think about it, the incident that happened with the Haitians on the border and the whipping, you're familiar with that? Yeah. Now, the, the thing would be, if that had happened under the Trump administration, people would be going, see how horrible Trump is? Let's go to the streets. Mm-hmm. Let's just say he could. It happened under Biden and people act like it didn't happen. You heard a few whispers right. about it. But if those Haitians were whipped, on, on horses with a whip in their hand, whipping black men under the Trump administration, the black community would have reacted. See, we've settled into Biden now. We think Biden's going to do something. And we've become mm-hmm. passive again. So, you know, with the educational system, we have to do what we can do. Um, 
and uh you know there are i don't know if you're like i'm not sure if you're interested in any of the um cases that we have um against the board what that i have against the board of education in washington dc now um but there's you know there's a lot of cases there's there's a case where um louise miller uh, goes up against the board of ed because she had a um a son that was um he couldn't hear and the only school was the kindle school for the deaf but he wasn't allowed to go there they had they put him on a bus at seven years old and made him do a two-hour ride and this was back in 1942 a two-hour ride to another school that would let black kids in and this is washington dc this woman had mm-hmm. to eventually bring in a tutor that she paid back then $1,200 a year to teach her son. Mm-hmm. And then finally, she won the case against the Board of Ed, but then when, the, when black youth that were blind or deaf came to, um, it, it's called um, Gallaudet University now, but came to Kindle back then, they were put in the basement. And this mm-hmm. was all done in Washington, D.C. Somebody has to pay for that. Somebody mm-hmm. has to pay for that. Yeah, you but know, in, in Kiti, isn't it? Um, in Kiti, Taifa has one of the leaders, you know, in the uh, social justice movement and the reparation movement, yeah, has been saying, um, trying to remember how yeah. to. Huh? Yeah, yeah she, um, one of the things that she said. That I'm on too. Oh, okay. One of the Go things that she said, said is that. Uh, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. I can hear you very clear. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that she says is that there's um, bodies. I think she says bodies or bones buried all over America, and that and that's you know mm-hmm. what's happening. You know now, even in the reparations conversation, is causing people. You know, it's giving us the opportunity to to pull up and to or 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 I should say let people know more about some of these stories that people may not have mm-hmm. known about. You know, that's what mm-hmm. I think about when she said that, you know, you know, some of these, these horror stories yeah. um, that yeah. have happened, you know, over the years. And um, many of us, yeah, ago, we, don't, we don't know about it. Yeah, we, we don't know because we haven't been taught that, you know. So, I mean, the whole, like, you know, when, see, when you, when you talked about, um, uh, what were you talking about, the beach earlier, earlier, Bruce Beach, Mm-hmm. See, if it wasn't for what happened there, there would be in 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 generational wealth. See, we lost a lot of generational wealth. We're not we're not just poor because we were never rich. When we look at that red summer, when we look at the snow rise, when we look at what happened at, in 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 California, we lost generational wealth. White people didn't lose generational wealth. Many of the white people, these little young actresses and stuff, they're out here now, they're, they're getting rich from their parents who got rich from us. But generational mm-hmm. wealth is something that, you know, that we, that we are. But as Malcolm says, you know, my father's not here to get, to, 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 to receive. Your father's not here to pay, but you are and I am. So, right. and, and we do have to know the, the atrocities that have happened to our people. You know, our brothers and our, they were hung. Our sisters had their stomachs slit open. Our brothers had their penises cut off and shoved down their throats. Somebody has to pay for that. But so many of our people, I keep in my living room pictures of lynchings. 
Because I want to remember, mm-hmm. I, I want to see lynchings. I have one of a brother being burned. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not afraid. I don't, I'm not, I don't have no weak stomach when it comes to what you did to. Her. So I mean, those are the things that that as an educator, just as I'm talking to you, um, brother, that's how I talk to my class. I don't care if they were four or five years old. Jews start teaching the Holocaust to their babies. Mm-hmm. They know what happened to them, so it's, this is the exact way I teach. And the only way they were yeah. able to fire me was I did not have kidneys. Mm. Mm. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. Um, I, I, and she's well, I'm, I'm not going to qualify, but I heard um, Oprah Winfrey one time say that um, that she has a, a picture in her house that in a place like where she has to see it every day going in, leaving her house, uh, coming in. And it's a picture of uh, a woman being auctioned. And she says that's what has kept her grounded over all of the years. And then she has on the side of that, she says she had like a um, um, one of the bill of sales. And so she, you know, and, and she was, and she, so she, and she started naming some of the names, you know, Jonathan, $15, Samuel, Twelve dollars, blah blah blah. That you know, she's learned over the years. I guess from seeing it every day, and I, I thought that was, you know, I was somewhat surprised that she, you know, had that as a reminder, a motivator for herself and her personal life. You know, it'd be something that all of us should consider. You know. Well, I have this question: Have you ever heard Oprah speak out in favor of reparations? That's have you point. ever heard <laughs> Oprah? Have you ever heard Oprah speak out? She knows that we have still incarcerated our political prisoners who fought for her mm-hmm. to be able to do what she does. Have you ever heard Oprah speak out you and sure. say, I, I want to speak out for our political prisoners? We wrote many letters to Barack Obama asking him to free Matuhu Shakur because he could free mm-hmm. anybody in federal prison. You ever hear Oprah speak out for any? Of, 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 of our so-called heavily oppressed people or any records of her donating any money to the release of our political prisoners. You know, I, I have said the very same thing in ever, I always See, offer, but I still remain optimistic. Well, I'm not going to remain optimistic about Oprah. I'm going to tell you, I thought Oprah's niece in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Oprah was our graduation speaker. Oprah took the stage, and the school was like 51% black and 49% white. Her, her niece, Cassandra Lee, gave her a list of children to give a okay, that's special birthday. Okay, that's all. Do coming in. Oh, okay. So let's just kind of wind it down and then cut you off. Okay. No, but I but was just saying Oprah stood, up, yeah, Oprah stood up and and gave a special hello to five children with all of these children, black children there, and there wasn't a white children on that list that she gave a special hello. I mean, a black child on that list that she gave a special hello to. So, I mean, I have, you know, that happened years ago. I would love to sit down and have a conversation with Oprah about that. Those black girls felt so bad that she was giving a special shout-out at this school to young white girls and to none of them. So, no, I, I don't have it. Oprah's going to have to come with
something better than a picture on her wall. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, um, if you'd like to give out any closing um, contact information and people can follow you or keep up with the work that uh, you're doing. Yeah, uh, you know what? I am basically... I'm basically on Facebook um, under Yasan Wanzinga. I'm on Instagram under in um, Zinga. And I, you know what? I'm going to be very honest. I don't know my Twitter account because I'm never on Twitter. But it, the okay. best way to contact me is literally to message me Yasantawa in Zinga. Now, there's a lot of Yasantawa on Facebook. But y'all and I will get back to anyone that um that that messages me. I you know I love to give advice advice to parents who have their children stuck in the public school system. All right, very good. So we are so thankful for this great conversation on reparations and education. Uh, we look forward to continuing to work with you and Cobra and the reparations movement. I know you're working with Dr. Ray Wimbush and other ways that you're doing work with the reparations movement, and we appreciate all that. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and and you've been listening to Conversation Reparations, Conversation Reparations, Conversation Reparations. Your host, Brother Jamoke Fatayo, with uh, Cobra. This program is sponsored by Cobra, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. Our website is encobraonline.org, encobraonline.org, and you can reach me directly with Brother Jumoke at reparationsj at gmail.com, or I'm also on, on Facebook at Tracy Jumoke Ifeitayo, and... Check.